Welcome to Kirsty Alley on the Verge. This podcast is titled Pervs and Poodles. On today's show, Kirsty talks about, you guessed it, pervs and poodles. Kirsty welcomes a special in studio guest, Kelly. Please welcome your host, Kirsty Alley. Hello, hello, hello. It's Kirsty. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank you for listening to my podcast because I know you have a lot of options. And just so you know, after the second podcast, we were in the top 25 podcasts on Apple Podcast in the comedy section. So thank you. That's because of you. So today on the podcast, which is called Pervs and Poodles, and you'll see why it's called that by the end of this, we have a special guest, and her name is Kelly, and I call her Kelly Coltrane. Hello, Kelly. Hello. (laughs) Now, Kelly is somebody that I've known my entire life since she was born because her mom was a very good friend of mine. And then Kelly and I have just crossed paths with each other forever. Ever and ever. And what would you say? Okay, when you were a friend, then you were nanny. Nanny. To my two children. Yes. Then? Then... I was assistant because mm-hmm. I wasn't your best nanny. We both know that. I thought you were. No, I was. I, the, I wasn't them. the nanny. I was the nanny that wouldn't swim with them. I don't like to get wet. I wasn't the jump on the trampoline nanny. Really? No, that was Amy and Alex. I know, but I feel like I blanked it all out. I thought if you, someone asked me was Kelly a good nanny, I would have said yes. No, and I think your kids would have too. But I wasn't fun nanny, I guess to say you weren't place. What is it called? Playdate nanny? No. You, but you're, you know, then, yeah, they love you. So, and then you became my personal assistant, and I love you. And your name is Kelly. And I realized when I was getting ready to do this podcast that I only hang out with people with K names like Kelly, my sister's Colette, my brother's Craig. So, if you're not one of those C people, then you're out. Yeah. So, Kelly is here with me. There was a time I hated you. I bet. Oh my God. When you <laughs> guys not were not alone. <laughs> uh, when, when you guys were first dating, I was like, oh man, if he doesn't treat you right, then you gotta dump him. I know. It was he had a hard he had a hard path to cross. I had a lot of people behind me. The subject is pervs. And I think part of the thing is that, you know, I was born and raised in Kansas. And not that there aren't any pervs in Kansas, but I guess I just didn't run into any. Right? Right. So I moved to Hollywood, and um, I just started (laughs) running into a few. Well, Hollywood, listen, I moved there from Kansas, too. And I'm telling you, the perv in Kansas is a very different ballgame than the perv in Hollywood. I would have to say that. I would have to agree with that, because it was a whole new echelon of perv for me. Yeah, they have bigger balls to be more pervy in Hollywood, for sure. Bigger balls? Well, I mean, they have, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's just more... Wait, are you saying that their testicles are bigger, that's what makes them more pervy? Because it's possible. Or that. Man, I'm not sure I want to be in here for this podcast. (laughs) Okay, today just, let's just say that today... <laughs> that you are a technical person, all right? Because got Kelly it. and I've got some stuff to talk about, and, and if, if you come into play, which you probably will, just suck it up. I will. I'm okay, we know that your balls are smaller than the guys in Hollywood. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's the thing: I get to I, I was 
I, I was what I call a serial monogamous monogamist, if I could say it, serial monogamist. And the reason I was is because I started dating someone when I was 16. I dated them for four years. I married them. I was married for four years to them. I got a divorce because I was flirting around with a new guy. And then I lived with the new guy for four years. And then I left the new guy. And then, you know, I moved to Hollywood when I was 28 and I'd slept with two people. So One being your husband. One being my husband and one being the person I lived with for four years. Right. So when I got to Hollywood and met all of my <laughs> new Hollywood girlfriends, they let me know that that was, you know, not really the way it was in Hollywood and that I needed to get out there and... Show your business. <laughs> exactly, and... Meet new guys and have more sexual experiences. I mean, I felt like it was 1969 and it was the new hippie era, era of free love. I was, yeah, I was in free love world. And I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a whirl. So the first experience I had with a kind of pervy guy, and this is mild. I'm not, I'm not going to make it something it's not, but I was kissing him. He had lived with this very famous model, but I was kissing this guy and then he smacked me on my butt. I had all my clothes on and everything. And he smacked me on my butt. And he goes, tell daddy if you like that. <laughs> and I was like, in my head, okay, wait a minute. I have a dad. He lives in Kansas. His name's Robert. And um, tell daddy if I like that. Oh, my God. What girl wants to be smacked? I don't. <laughs> Spanked. Spanked. Yes. It was, he was a spanker. A spanker. Well, but, I mean, a spanker's better than a lot of things. I know, but at that time, I, a spanker was the... Are you kidding me? It was like, no, he spanked me and I wanted to slug him. That's I'm from Kansas. If someone smacks you, you hit him in the face. So he said, I said, no, I don't want this. And he's like, then he's trying to be sexy, like, oh, you don't like to be spanked? I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to fucking blow your head off in about two seconds. I, I was so... You know how us Kansas girls are. Yeah. Okay. We don't we don't let people smack us like that. No. We aren't used to the spank choke. <laughs> no, no. Pull hair. <laughs> Daddy, do you like this? No. So I said, I got to leave. And he's like, I can't believe you're leaving. I got, you can't believe I'm leaving. And he goes, it's just sex stuff. I'm like, shut up. Anyway, I ran out of his house. Okay. Now, that I thought that was, you know, this was, and this was my first experience of, what I would call being promiscuous, but what my friends would call what you got to waste a few when you get them. You know, you got to you got to kiss a few toads to see your frogs or whatever they are to see if you really like them, right? So you're following. The next one <laughs> was I was going down uh, Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon in Hollywood. If you don't live in Hollywood or haven't been there, is it's just a canyon that crosses from one side of Los Angeles to the other side, and it's very windy. And I had a new car, and I'd never had a new car. <laughs> and it was a Toyota Celica convertible. Wow. Right. And the thing was, it was very expensive, but what I loved about it most that I paid for was a really good radio. <laughs> because I'd only had old cars. <laughs> so I thought, oh my God, this car's got the best radio. So people tease me about that. So anyway, I'm driving over Laurel Canyon and this guy on a motorcycle, he was on a Harley, 
I happen to like Harley Davidson's. Duh. Duh. I'm driving, and as I'm driving, he's sort of winding in and out of... Oh, so he's showing off. Oh, he's showing off. And he's like comes up beside me. He's very handsome. And then he goes in front of me, and then he goes over, and then he lets me go in front of him. So we're playing this winding down Laurel Canyon game, and it was sort of sexy. And then, because I'm stupid... He pulls up beside me. I recognized him, too, sort of. Right. He, he was an actor. And he pulls up beside me, and he said, follow me. Now, remember, everyone in your life will tell you when you go to Hollywood, A, don't follow anyone, and um, watch out for people because they'll kill you, right? right? Of course. So if we move to California, or we even visit, we're going to get kidnapped and killed, right? No, yeah, I had that too. Like, yeah. can I go to this party because I don't know these people? Are they killers or not? Yeah, I'm sure they are because that's how we were trained in Kansas. And here, my first opportunity was a guy who pulls up beside me and says, follow me. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, sounds good. So anyway, so I follow him to this house. We pull in and this other guy comes out and... They, what they, what happened was he goes we're going to do a boxing thing so he he's a boxer and an actor you know Hollywood everybody's everything <laughs> so he's a boxer and his friend is a producer of course right and so and I wasn't an actress at this time so anyway they start boxing each other that was sort of sexy right right so I had a date with him that night and he asked me on a date we went on a date that was good um, I had a couple more dates with him and then he wanted me to sleep with him and. With my newfound <laughs> promiscuity, I'm like, yeah. You're like, I've been spanked. I mean, hello. Hello, I know what I'm doing. So, <laughs> now he was pervy, but the main thing at this, <laughs> so um, let's call him, just what's a good name? Corey. Corey. Yeah, let's call him Corey. <laughs> so, Corey and I are in bed, get in bed, and we are going to start having sex, but I notice Corey has a penis the size of like a four-year-old's thumb. <laughs> and now I've never seen something like this. Or, or I hadn't seen it either because it was dark, but I was like, what's happening here? That's uh, like a girl's BJ dream penis. <laughs> oh, Cal, I didn't see it that way. I was just, how's this in my head? How's this going to work? I guess we start having some form of sex. And again, and this guy, this must be a big word there. He had the nerve to say, tell daddy what baby wants. <laughs> oh, no. Another tell, daddy. I know. Another daddy. <laughs> tell daddy what baby wants. Now, in my head, I'm like, well, baby wants a dick. Because baby wants a dick bigger than a toddler's thumb. Because this is, I've just never experienced this in Kansas. Or, <laughs> and I didn't have sex with a spanker. So, anyway, I was like, oh, my God. And then he kept saying that. Tell daddy what baby wants. Somehow, I don't even remember how... We progressed to completion, but in my head it was like, oh my God, you've got to pull out all the tricks in your bag that you can figure out how to get this guy done and off and out. So I did, and he left, and then the next day, I was in my new <laughs> Celica Toyota <laughs> with the top down. Looking music blaring. Music blaring, thinking, I look amazing. <laughs> and... I start to drive by the house I lived in, and he was standing on the porch. Of your house? Of my house. He was standing on the porch of my house, I guess, to ask me out again or go for round two. I don't really know. <laughs> Tell daddy what baby wants. I know. And baby, 
baby just ducked down in her <laughs> Toyota Celica <laughs> and drove past with no driver. <laughs> I literally drove, I, I, I guess, I guess a half a block until I popped back up. Not too smart there either, but oh, I just couldn't go round two with him. Right. Right. Okay. So that, the only pervy part about that is, and I felt like this, if, if you have a penis the size of a toddler's thumb, you should maybe say to someone, look, I don't have a very big unit. And you should just know that. And if that's offensive to you or that's weird to you, then let's just, let's not go for it. But you don't act all bravado and macho. Or be daddy. No, that's what I mean. You don't bravado, macho, what is till, till daddy what baby wants. No. No. You'd be more like, hi, I'm a little wiener. And if you don't like him, then don't touch him. Hey, do you think a guy's really going to say, hey, hi, I've got a small dick. Do you guys want a bone? I mean, what's a guy supposed to do? Corey. Sorry. Yeah. Well, wouldn't that make more sense than pretending like you have a even a normal-sized dick and then acting like you're all that? I don't what, know. Wouldn't you want... Kelly, <laughs> yeah, I, you? I mean, you're going to know if it's small. You might as well give a f- good, fair warning. Like, hey, you know, I know this might be weird, but... <laughs> This might be it's really not weird. Maybe but. what you expect or something. <laughs> or anyone on yeah. planet Earth. But if he said something like that, because he was sexy, he was handsome. So right. Actor. Yeah. So maybe I would have gone like, well. Well, and he had a Harley. And he had a Harley. So right. I would have at least had a little respect for him. Well, and he was self proclaimed daddy. <laughs> no, you don't get to say you're freaking daddy unless no. you've got like a. You're hung like a bowl. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'm on the Then same you can page. get daddy then status. Then you can go, daddy. You want to be hitting the head with daddy's wainer? I can. Yeah, Just stand I'll across the room. You and I'll <laughs> <laughs> knock you out. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. But see, these are stories that I actually really, in our whole lifetime, I actually, these are like little blurbs. <laughs> I mean, these aren't getting into the real deal. My real perv of Hollywood. No, no, no. But we're we're this is an we're gearing up. We're gearing up. This, it, it doesn't. You know, nothing ever just starts like, "Hi, I'm a total perv. I'm going to fuck you up." It all. You know, it always is like you know, you you're groomed into this sort of right. Uh, no. no, I mean, I don't Weren't know. You with any pervs? Uh, I don't know. You might remember this. <laughs> Sorry, Corey. Uh, remember, and I'm not going to name any names. Call him Corey. I'll call him Corey. <laughs> So I'm on the set with you. Yeah. You're doing a show. Oh. I'm not going to say the show because then it could lead to names or something. Are you sure his name isn't Bori? Exactly. <laughs> but so I have a big crush on the actor. Yeah. He's like a character actor on the show. Bori. Kind of. I know. Bori. Mm-hmm. Bori. I couldn't tell because I was like kind of enthralled. It was within the first few years I lived in Hollywood. I've never dated an actor. He pulls me into his trailer. He starts kissing me, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's so cute. I'm getting kissed. And then he looks at me. So there was no gradient for me. There was no daddy. There was no nothing. This is what he says. Do you want me to stick it in you so you can see what it feels like? <laughs> and you said yes, right? No, I I honestly didn't know what to say. So I did, like, the weird schoolgirl laugh, like, hey, he's kidding. You're kidding, right? It, but he was dead serious. I was like, okay, well, my boss is out there, Kirsty. She's gonna kill me. Like, yeah, she's over there filming. My, no, in my head, I was thinking to myself because I had a crush on him. He was cute. Rightfully like, so, he was cute. Um, 
So he wasn't joking, but I, in my head, was like, "He's got that's a joke." I mean, that nobody really does that. Nobody says that. Like that's a joke. That was like his flirty Hollywood move, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So and? I didn't get the gradient of, hey, call me daddy. I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's a fun. You just okay. got, I'm going to poke you. Yeah, I just got, hey, you want me to stick this in you so you can see what it feels like? <laughs> Which I was like, what? In my head, I was seriously like, what? What do you mean? Okay, yeah, no. We're, that, I mean, don't you like kiss? And then go, what happened to the bases? I, I don't know that there are bases in Hollywood. I, I, I know in Kansas, there is a there's like a chronological order. There is. It doesn't start with unless the guy's really really drunk in a bar, and then he might run over to you and smash into you and go, "Well, I'm gonna stick it in you." I mean, but that wouldn't. Well, but I haven't ever had that happen either of you. No. No. Okay, so it's it's a little bit new. Yeah. So it went from zero to a hundred and thousand. But I was like, yeah. That thing. That is the thing that guys like this know will happen. They usually prey on really young girls when they're which pervy. I was twenty two. Yeah, maybe. you were really young. I, I, you know, I didn't start acting until I was thirty. Right. So we're talking about. I moved to Hollywood when I was twenty eight. So I wasn't like this little. Well, I sort of was. I was an older, stupid. Right. Young girl. I mean, now, not to get into serious movements, but yeah. that that could be, like, total hashtag me, too. <laughs> it could be, I yes. Mean, I mean, it's ha- a little hashtag me, It's too. hashtag me, too, Except but it's on the low-level hashtag it me, is, too. It is, but I also didn't feel hashtag me, too-ish, because I thought he was cute, and I sort of had a crush on him, and it made me feel like, oh, he likes me. He wants to you know, see what it feels like. Exactly. Whatever. Exa- but see, I what I figured out was, and we haven't even talked about the big... Chester molester. No, I was never really molested. Let's put it that way. Um, but that—that's the thing they're banking on is that you can't really tell if they're kidding or they're not kidding, and so they put you on the well because of violence or defense. 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 But if yeah. I was like offended, he'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm just kidding." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the and also, it's if it was if he was a monstrous looking beast. Right. And he was, you know, like just grotesque. You wouldn't have been in his trailer in the first place. No. And so we think that somebody who's going to be really gross and perv and all that is going to be somebody who's some monstrous beast. And that's not how it works. You know, Ted Bundy was a handsome guy who was charming. Right. And the more handsome and charming you are, apparently, the more people you can kill. So. Yeah. So. We are going to stay on track with... The killers. Yeah, the killers. <laughs> because clearly we have not listened to anything anyone told us in Kansas. Correct. All right, so now we go along with our lives. I go along. I am married for a long time to a non-perv. Right. It just seemed normal. Like, maybe that's why I married him, because he seemed like a normal sexer, you know? Yeah. You kiss, you hug, you that, you have sex, blah, 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 blah. Cut to going along. And I'm not going to tell you the exact time frame, but at at one point, I met a guy. Let's not call him Corey. <laughs> let's call him... He's next level. Let's call him Paul the Perv. Okay. All right. Now, this is the thing I didn't understand, because I've always been... I've been this girl, and this may be bad. But I've been this girl. Like, what do you mean you live with someone who beats you? Why the hell don't you just leave? Why don't the hell don't you walk out the door? Right. What do you mean? Okay, so you live with a guy who's really pervy, and it's disgusting. Why don't you just 
pack up and leave. Come on. I was that girl. Yeah. Until this. And then I realized, okay, so Paul, this is the bloom. The, you know, it's, it comes in stages. No one walks up with a pea carved in the front of their forehead. Right. With their fangs glaring and their dick hanging out of their pants, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> whipping around like a lariat, you know? They don't walk up and go, hello, I'm a perv, I'm going to wreck your damn life, sister. Right, you can't spot them. No. So mine was very good. Mine was one that I met and worked with on a, a film. Right. Um, and he he was so charming and so lovable and so understanding of anything in my life. If I said, you know, I it's really important to me that I meet someone who's you know, crazy in love with me and loves my kids because I had kids then. Loves my kids and helps me take care of them. Oh man, that's me. I get what you're saying. Oh, you know, I've lived with women who have kids, and I got to say, I I love them. Although I don't have kids yet, I got to say, I love kids. Yeah, I I will be there for you. I will take care of them. You know, I I sometimes and he feigns he's almost crying. You know, I just wish I I had some kids of my own, but. This feels close. You know, they feel right. Like, like I'm going to love like, them like my own. They already feel like they're my own, baby. You know? Right. Yeah. That guy. And I'm like, oh my God. They already, he already feels like they're his. He loves them so much. Anyway, this went on for a while and a while. And then it turns out I sort of ended up with him, like as a boyfriend, right? Right. Still, like a normal guy, you know, we have sex, sort of normal sex, what I would consider normal sex, you know, sweet, here's flowers, here's that, we have sex, oh, sex is really good. This guy didn't have that little tiny... Toddler thumb? No, God, no. This guy, it was like, sort of like a summer sausage. Right. You know? Right. I had never had a summer sausage either, so this was a big swing. Right, he was a sweet... Yeah, Summers. <laughs> he was, and this was a big swing from little "What does baby want?" No dick to this is maybe what baby wanted all along, right? <laughs> so I am like, I'm so in. I'm like, oh my god, in my head, I've got a guy. He loves me. He loves my children so much. He has a summer sausage, and I've never experienced that, and that's not a bad thing. And he's so handsome, so charming. Oh my god, he loves me so much. So then, as we went along, I remember I was off making a movie, and he came to visit me. And was this remember, the first sign? This was, I think, the first red flag that I can think of. Okay. Okay, so he came to visit, and this was about four weeks in, I'm okay. going to say. I'm making, making that up, but let's say it was four weeks in, and I'm making a movie, and he comes to visit me. And um, now, remember, I've only had kind of straight sex, and then really only straight sex, because the spanker and the, you know, the other one was just not really unstraight sex it was just sex with a thumb so right okay so he comes to visit me and we're having sex and then he reaches over and out he whips a wig it's like right red hair right oh yeah and he goes i want you to put this on and in my head i'm like oh my god he wants me to put a wig on yeah like, like this. this is what people call uh you know, like role play. I've heard of this. Yeah, this is like... I can be this girl. I want to be this girl. Yeah. I want to be this girl that isn't just missionarying it I'm your up. sexy redhead, oh baby. Oh, my God, yes. 
So then we had wig sex. And I was like, oh, this is so good. I'm so dangerous. I'm so everything and out there. Right. And I'm Hollywood now. I'm yeah. not Kansas. So then um, that is so then it was sort of normalish sex. Then he was going to come and visit me again. And I thought, oh, now that I'm Hollywood, I'm going to like amp this up. So I had a friend who had a mink coat and um I said, can I wear your mink coat? So, of course, I, I put on the mink coat, and I'm nude. Corey, stop laughing. <laughs> I put on the mink coat. I pick him up at the airport. Oh, so you do the quintessential I'm naked under here? I'm naked under here, and I'm oh. in a limo, and I think this is new. Right. I think no one's ever done this, ever. This is like, I'm the most creative person in the world. <laughs> so I pick him up at the airport, and of course, we have sex in the limo with the mink, and it's all... And I've st- now I'm becoming more the girl that I want to be because I really want to be more Hollywood, less Kansas. But that is super Hollywood. The limo, the mink, like my, we're actors and actresses. Yeah, but I didn't know it, Kelly. 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 I know. I, I used know. to have a housekeeper that called Kelly. 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 When she was mad at her, she'd go, Kali. I don't think that's the way I said it. Is it Kali? Anyway, so I'm thinking I'm very original. And he seemed to enjoy it, but not a lot. And I thought, who the hell wouldn't like this? He seemed like, "Mm, this is like small potatoes, you know? Right. And I remember wondering, why is he acting like this is sort of nothing? Any of the other really straight, non-pervy guys that I've been with have been like, hallelujah, this is the best day of my life. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, I thought that was, I just made a little note, like, that's sort of strange. So then, probably in the second month of dating him, well, I, 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 this, by this time in the second month, I believe I sort of moved in with him. Right. Right. Okay. So but I, so you're still in the honeymoon phase. Uh, in my mind, I okay, am. Okay. I'm in the honeymoon non-perv phase. Right. I'm like, just living it up because I know more about sex now than I've ever known in my whole life. And I am so Hollywood. And I'm an actress. I finally reached my goal. Right. So, You've landed the big time. <laughs> I, I, totally. So I, look, I was looking in his closet to get something. I think I was looking for towels or something. And I noticed that there was this belly dancing costume. And... Um, <laughs> Now, maybe you'd see a belly dancing costume in a, in a girl's closet, but I saw a belly dancing costume, and I was like, wow, this is strange. And then there were these slippers that went with a belly dancing costume, and they were like a size 11, you know? So they would fit a guy. A guy with big feet. Right. It still wasn't clicking with me, really. Um, and I said, what? I said, Paul, what is the deal with this belly dancing costume? And like you said, they always make you feel like, you're insane. Right. Like If you ask a question like that, what the hell is wrong with you? It's like, what do you mean? It's a belly dancing costume. You know, I lived with somebody and it was Halloween and they had a belly dancing. And I went, but did you, okay, but did did they have like really giant feet? And these these slippers are sort of worn in or almost worn out. So I'm, right. hmm. But he's going the avenue of like, hey, we live in LA, we're actors. Or we're just Halloween. This is just, uh, I lived with some girl, she left it here, who cares? Right, okay. And I'm like, okay, everything sort of makes sense in the belly dancing. But I start like going, okay, belly dancing, but, but the shoes. And then I go, but the, why, why are these slippers so big? He goes, I don't know. And it was more like, I don't know, you freaking idiot. They're just... Yeah, like, quit asking so many questions. Don't ask stupid questions of why my belly dancing costume has, like, size 11 pixie shoes. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) 
shortly and oh also i left this out in this guy's house was this room called the dungeon and oh my god christian gray oh yeah i think (laughs) only does christian gray have a dungeon well he has what's it called the uh the red room or the it's the room where everything goes down okay well this was before 50 shades of gray and I never read Fifty Shades of Grey after because I lived it. There was this dungeon room thing, and I'm, I was like, what? There was a dental chair. I know anyone listening is like, oh my God, this girl is so freaking dumb. I get it. I'm dumb. There was a dental chair. Then there was this kind of swing chair. And then there were these sort of torture looking sex things, right? And I was like, I mean, I don't really talk like this, but I might as well. It's like, hi, what is this? I don't understand what these things are. What right, are like, what is this it? room with the dental chair? I'm, I said, what, what is all this stuff? And he says, well, I just filmed a movie, and it was about this kind of pervy guy that, you know, had all these like a sex S and M things, and you know, it was a low budget film, and we just shot it in here, and we shot the whole movie here, and so we have these things here, and Were they're you just like, here. Uh, was it a porn? No. <laughs> I wasn't like that, but I was like, "What? okay, I get that you did that, so why do you still have all this S&M stuff here? Again, I'm the dumbest girl in the world, the way he's going to talk to me. And he's like, I don't know. You know, we it's a low-budget movie. We just, they brought this stuff. We had this stuff, kept this stuff. I don't know, maybe they got a deal on it somewhere. I don't know, crazy. Right. Okay, so going along now, so it starts escalating just Probably like in, if you read Fifty Shades of Grey. I didn't, but don't we know they all escalate? Yeah. Okay, so now, having sex with him, and he d- starts the thing where he puts his hand over my mouth and my my mouth first, and then my nose and my mouth. And I stay, so, you go sort of quiet because you're you're sort of like, wait, is this... Is it cool if I do this? Or what is this? Or, I mean, he can't, he's not going to hurt me. I mean, of course, he's not going to hurt me. So, what is this? So, you don't know what it is. Right. Then he puts his hand around my throat. Right. And he's not hurting me, but he's definitely trying to kill you. Trying to, <laughs> <laughs> he's simulating killing me, which clearly is getting him off. So, he starts, but before I figure that out, he's got his hand around my throat, he's got his other hand around my nose and mouth. And I start laughing. Well, yeah, because you don't, that's the go to move. Well, I start laughing really hard, like, oh my God, this is funny. And he goes, You think this is funny? And I go, Well, it's either funny or you're getting off and pretending like you're killing me. So I'm going to go with funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Anyway, so with him, this escalates. Into all sorts of situations. I would say probably not the hardest, hardcore core situations. Right. Because they always know how far, they'll just push you a little further and a little further and a little further, right? Right. But it started, I mean, as it progressed, it progressed with, you know, it, it makes, it just chips away at your own integrity, rightfully so. Right. Because you're complicit. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to just go, oh, I'm the victim of a total perv who I, you know, was with for two and a half years. No, I'm the victim. but you went with it. I went with it. And then when I didn't want to go with it, 
then it has a whole different string of things with it. But the complicitness of, you know, if you're going to be, I don't want to be a victim, but when it gets to a point where you really feel like you are a victim of, because there's a lot of things that go along with this that that we can talk about, but the, the thing that I had to look at, at, towards the end, I mean, I was crazy. Right, but you also have to look at it from the point of view of being complicit of, you want to please your man that you, you know, like maybe he... You know, that's why you are going along with it. Sort of. But you're also, at the same time you're going along with it, it's very much like, whether we like it or not, it's very much like someone who is getting abused physically. Right. Right? Because it doesn't start off with, hi, I'm Mike. Boom! Slug you in the face. Right? Right. It's, hi, I'm Mike. I'm this. I'm that. Oh, then he may tap you. Then he may, you know, pull your hair a little bit. Maybe he does something like that to you. And then... Pretty soon when he does hit you, you know, then he's sorry and he's never going to do it again. And he's, you know, and then you take him back. And that whole cycle of that was unreal to me. A hundred percent unreal to me. Yeah. Until I went through the perv cycle and it destroys your integrity. It destroys, your. you know, I had friends who were noticing how he treated me and because it does escalate. Right. And if you're continually going against your own integrity and your own morals, which I was, then obviously it shows up. And I remember one time on the set, an actress, a good friend of mine, Kathy Jimmy, said to me, okay, somebody, you know, is Paul hitting you? Is Paul abusing you? And I, I was laughing like Kamala. Am I saying it right? I don't want to get penalized. Ah, <laughs> no, of course he's not. Right. Like, you know no, me. I would never know, be. I would never. And I wouldn't. Right. But I, but it was like, because she said it just seems like somebody is really putting you down and really making less of you. And because I guess also I started really introverting on am I pretty? Am I old? Am I fat? Am I, I was skinny as hell and I was... How old was I? 45? Right. And I I was just very introverted. And I'm usually real outgoing, extroverted, goofball, and that was sort of stopping. And she said, I just want you to tell me the truth. You have to tell me if someone is doing something to you because this isn't you. Right. You were off. Right. So there's one person. Then I remember I was in Maine and my brother came to visit and he took me aside and he said, "Is people thought he was hurting me physically. And so that was the question. So that's how I would get out of the answer. Right. But your internal dialogue when they would ask you, was it like, no, of course not? Or did you kind of... They were... I knew what they were missing because if my, my brother said, is he hitting you? Well, they, he wasn't. So I could say, I could, you know, pretend like I'm telling you, I go, yeah, no, he's not. No, 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 no. Are you kidding? No. God. I go, well, he seems like he's doing something to hurt you. You don't seem the same. Right. I wasn't going, well, you know, he's strangling me and suffocating me and he's, oh, and then here was one. This was towards the end, though. This was my best one. There's all sorts of stuff in between. Don't get me wrong. I think I know this one. I know I'm an idiot, right? I get it. I'm an (laughs) idiot. No one can feel more like an idiot than I feel about myself already. So I come into the house. You live together. We lived together, but we lived in two houses that were near each other, next to each other, basically. Okay. So 
my children were never exposed to the dark side. Right. The dungeon. <laughs> the dungeon. Oh, my God. Help me. So we were, uh, I came in and I couldn't, he had an elevator in his house. And I'm on the elevator and I'm like yelling, Paul, Paul, Paul's not answering, Paul's not answering. So I get to like, the, I think it was the third floor. And on the third floor, I get out of the elevator and I sort of hear something and I look to my left and there was a gym there, like a, you know, like a workout room. And all of a sudden I see someone walking towards me in a bride dress. Like an antique bridal gown. Vintage bridal. Stop laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Vintage bridal gown. Walking. And it's sort of dark. And I'm like, oh, my God. What? You know what's, you know. Yeah, there's a ghost. Yeah, it looked like a ghost. It looks very eerie. As the person gets closer, it's freaking Paul in a bride dress. I'm looking at Paul. And Paul comes up and he starts kissing me, like seriously, kissing me, romantic. And I start laughing like a lunatic, of course. Right, because that's the weirdest. What else? Well, he wanted me to think it wasn't weird. So I start laughing really hard and I go, oh, my God, what are you doing? He immediately snaps out of his trance and his, I'm going to have sex with you in my freaking vintage bride dress. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then he, he goes, I'm just kidding. God, you take everything so seriously. And then what do you, you think? I go, what? Well, you're kidding. But then it makes you go, am I just taking everything serious? And this is funny and this is a joke and you know it isn't. But you know what I'm saying? Right. Because you're thinking, wait, maybe he's just like eccentric and like interesting. Or- yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm not as, you know, I, he was younger than me, so I'm like, maybe I'm not hip to this. I mean, it's not hurting me, but what is this? And, oh God. And along this way, I'd met Courtney Love. And we were sort of unlikely friends, you know. I was like Miss Straighty McStraightster, apparently not, but I supposedly was. And Courtney's Courtney, and you know, she's much wilder and has a much greater history. Right. And She's from California, so I was sitting with her, and um, by this time, I was just really sort of destroyed. Yeah. Because it didn't matter how many movies I did, how many shows I did. I had this person who was doing all these things, and it was like being I was being gaslit. Right. You know, you're not, no. You know, I go, where were you the last two nights when I was filming? What do you mean? I was here. No, you weren't. You were in strip clubs. Right. But I didn't know that. Right. I just perceived it, right? Right. So anyway, Courtney Love, I said, Courtney, God, I got to confess to you. I, Courtney, I thought it was the only person maybe in Hollywood that could listen to what I was going to tell her. <laughs> so I I go, okay, this is what's been happening. And then he's strangling me. He wants to do this, and he wants to do that. And then he did this, and then he did that, and blah, blah, blah. She goes, <laughs> she goes, girl, I mean, you're talking about 90% of the guys in Hollywood. And, you know, she goes, even this stuff is so old that, I mean, it's like basically the valley. (laughs) This is like North Hollywood. If you aren't from L.A., North Hollywood and the valley were like like suburbia. Yeah, it is suburbia. Yeah. She's like, girl, this stuff has been going on so long and now it's moved out to the valley and it's North Hollywood. It isn't even Hollywood or anything. She goes, these dudes are a dime a dozen. (laughs) He's just, he's not hip. He's just a perv. I was like, oh, my God. Courtney, you just saved my life. (laughs) 
She sort of did. Yeah. She put it in perspective because if you don't know, I think it's the, you know, I think it's sort of the secrecy factor. So what are you going to do? Tell your best friend from Kansas, like Paul, you know, he's been dressing up in his vintage bridal <laughs> gown and it's like super hot. It, that would be like, what? I yeah. And then he wants to pee on me and he wants to this and he wants to that. He's R. Kelly. Right. <laughs> He's my R. Kelly. Yes. I think one thing that happens to people in Hollywood try to make you think all of this is so normal and then you feel sort of like you're the, you know, that you're like a prude or something. Yeah, I mean, I had a slew of friends that moved to L.A. and Hollywood from Kansas. And I remember one in particular, and she was dating this guy. And she was sort of the girl that's like, oh, I'm badass. And like, you know, not your prude, really. <laughs> and I remember the first time her going, yeah, okay, maybe this is weird. Do you guys think this is weird? Uh, so I was having sex with this guy. He was an actor guy. Of course, us Kansas girls. And when they were having sex, he was going, oh, you like, oh, you like fucking your brother? Oh, you like fucking your brother? And we were like, what? Yes, that's weird. What do you mean? Like, that's next level. (laughs) But see how they make you think. The guy will make her think. And she's even asking, is this weird? Of course she knows it's weird. Right, and this is coming from the girl that doesn't think anything's weird. Right, but she's. But that's what I'm saying. It's like they. It's a chipping away at you until you don't think it's weird, and then oh, now I've got. Oh, here's the next thing I got for you, and you'll think that's isn't this weird? No, well, it's weird if you're in Kansas. Yeah, yeah, the incest, like this foreplay, <laughs> the brother sister. I mean, that's next level. <laughs> that's next level. It's like women who are hit. You're, you know, love does things to you. Love does things to you where, you, you know, in a normal world, you love someone and if they screw up or they make a mistake, you want to forgive them. Right. And you want to move on. Or if you think there's, you know, if they had something wrong with them, you'd want to help fix it. And you think it's going to change. Right. And it does change. The way it changes is it escalates and gets worse and worse and worse. And I keep using the analogy of someone, a woman who's been beaten, but it starts out mild. It gets a little more. It gets a little more. And you think you're helping the person. And damn it, you love them. And if you, because it's the affinity that starts out holding you there. Right. Do you know? And then they, they're sorry, and you want to forgive. You're that person who wants to forgive. Right. So I think it starts out sort of simple like that, and it's more real to you that someone wouldn't do that to you again if you've never been hit or peed on or strangled. or it, Your reality in your whole life is that will change because no one would keep doing that, right? Right, because no one's going to want to make you feel uncomfortable in any capacity. Or do really, it, when you get down to it, it's do really degrading things to you. Right. I'm going to degrade you until you are, you know, a handmaid. I mean, basically, it's the, I'm going to, it's the dominance factor of taking someone who's fun and funny and lively and a mom and all these good things. They never prey on these guys, these pervy guys don't prey on girls who are like them. Right. They aren't going for the girls. They're like, please pee on me. No, no, they aren't. They're going for the 
you know, in fact, when I was with Paul, at one time I thought, oh, I've got a good idea. I'm going to sort of strangle Paul. <laughs> right. Like you were trying. Paul loves strangling. Paul loves strangling <laughs> and suffocation. This, wait till he gets a load of this. Yeah, he's going to be like, oh, baby, yes. <laughs> so I put my hand around Paul's throat and he takes my arm and he throws it off. Like, what are you doing? I said, well, I thought you liked this. He goes, I don't like it. So now I get, okay, Paul only likes strangling. He doesn't like to be the strangled. Right. The confusion factor is vast, do you know? And the, and who who are you going to tell? Because now you've been complicit and you've gone along with it. And what am I going to say? Oh, Kelly, just so you know, Paul strangles me. He suffocates me. He wears... Um, pixie shoes and <laughs> costumes he wears. He does this and that. He likes to. Pre- I, I'm not even going to go into the whole history of Paul because the point is when you're complicit and there's a secrecy factor where now if you did tell someone, it's gone on so long that they can't help in their brain think, why did you stay so long? What the hell's wrong with you, Kirsty? Why are you so damn crazy? Well, and you pretended you were okay with it. Right. I Yeah, that's the other thing. I lied. Yeah, you were lying. You're asking me, are you okay? And the only, it's it's like... If you said, yes, I'm okay, or no, I'm not okay, it would be a lie on the other end. Right, but it, it would sort of be like, you know, it's my way to get around it. It'd be like if I was cheating on my husband Saturday night, and you said... Did you cheat on your husband Friday night? Because someone saw you as someone. I'd be like, no. Well, I didn't Friday night. But the part I'm leaving out is Saturday night. Right. Do, do you know? It's it's that kind of uh, sick game. Anyway, so what I started learning about this was that really someone can't destroy you unless you let them. It's You could call me the victim of it. But and I acted like the victim of it. Trust me, I'm right. like, I can't believe this. I cry every freaking day. I'm crying and crying. And why do you? Hate, why would someone do this to me? And blah blah blah. But I'm staying. Right. I also have kids, and yeah, they live in the house next door. But what the hell? What kind of mother is doing this? Where she's doing this, uh, and if if you're really with someone who's that pervy, what could they possibly do to your kids? Luckily, they my kids were never around this perv to find out, like alone, do you know? But if the more deep I got into why I was complicit and the more searching I was about myself, the more the less victim I got and the more strong I got. Right. And the more back to myself I got uh, and realized, you know, you can't there are certain victims. You know, you could be walking down the street and someone could grab you and rape you. I'm not talking, I'm not trying to minimize actual victims. But I'm like a self-made victim. Right, because you were going along with it. Yeah. And it's like, it. you know, before that, so many years before that, when I did cocaine, I was the self-made drug addict. Right. Nobody, you know, the first time I did it, yeah, I could blame it on the person who gave it to me. But really? No. No. And I, I could blame it on Paul, but up to a point, I thought, oh, my God, this is the most exciting sex life I've ever had. Right, because you were like, yay, I'm f- this is fun. I'm getting out of my wheelhouse here. Exactly. And also, 
the thing that I had that I loved was, and I sort of did love this, but it's sort of psycho too, but I was always very respectful with whoever I was with, you know, a husband. I've been married twice. We didn't do really, we didn't degrade each other, you know. We, we didn't really even have fights. Right. So with this guy, Paul, if we got into a fight, he would, let's say we were standing in the kitchen, he would just take his arm and just swipe everything off of the counter. Like? Like everything. Break things? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and for me, I was like, Oh, my God. I love this. Right, because it's like that passion. Like, I'm going to flip this table because I'm so mad. I'm hot. I'm sexy. I'm passionate. Yes. And I remember one time there was a coffee table, and uh, we were in a fight, and it had usually just been him that would do things like that. And at first, it's not that I liked it, but I thought, wow, I've never been in something like this. I've always been with, you know, well, look, if you take a look at this, then I think you could see why that would upset me. And I'd go, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Or I'd raise my voice like, you know what? I don't like it when you did that. That was my life up until then. Right. And now he said something to me. I can't even remember what it was. And I took the coffee table and I just flipped it up in the air on its side. Everything fell off of it. You know, maybe 500 Dollars worth of stuff just shattering. <laughs> and the first time I did that, I was like, oh, my God, I love me. <laughs> I love me so much. This is like Virginia Woolf. <laughs> I am Virginia Woolf. This is like the days of wine and roses. Oh, my God, this is the most exciting life I've ever lived. And then you make up and you have great makeup sex, you know, until they strangle you and kill you. But yeah. up till that point, it was swell. Right. Anyway, so at the end of this perv run... I, it took me a long time to recover. It took me a long time to figure out what I'd done, how I'd done it, how I was complicit. And so when I got away from Paul. Yes. What was your aha? My biggest aha was when Paul would call me after we weren't together. And he his first question was, hey... Hey, baby, how are the kids? And I go, oh, they're good. And that was just his, pre- that was just his entry point. Right. And I would just listen. So I go, hey, baby, how are the kids? I go, oh, they're great. And you go, hey, listen, um, you know your car that's still in the garage. Can I have that? Um, because I feel like, you know, that was sort of a gift to me. Or, and I go, no, I'm going to get picked up today. Fine. Next day. Hey, baby. How's it going? Hey, how are the kids? Oh, the kids are great. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to this event tonight, baby. And there's going to be reporters and things. And I just want to make sure. I know you might be at that event. And I just want to make sure you're not going to talk about us not being together anymore. Because, and the reason that was is because he wanted, he was using me and my lines in work to get his own jobs and he was sort of creating back-end deals unbeknownst to me right so then there was that factor so I started getting the idea like oh I just you know it's I just don't want it to go in the rags and stuff that we're not together anymore because I know that'll be hard on you and blah 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 and in my head I'm like "Mm," I saw so clearly I was like hard on me I don't think of it and I go you know Paul I'm in this movie. 
So I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews. Right. <laughs> and if someone asks me if I'm not with you, I'm going to say, no, I'm not with Paul anymore. Right. And he goes, well, okay, you can make that decision, but it's just, I just so you know. And then he would sort of spill the beans. I've got some people there, some finance people, which I'm sure he's told me that, told them that I'm going to be in the stupid project that he's created, which I'm not, right? Right, right, right. Okay. So once you start looking, so after I stopped, I pulled the drapes back on the perv stuff, then I would see people would say, oh, Paul said that you wanted to do this movie. I never said I wanted to do that movie. Oh, Paul um, said that you didn't want to do this other movie, so Paul suggested he do it with uh, Susan Sarandon. Right. Paul, Susan, how did it come from my movie to Paul and Susan Sarandon? Right, 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 right. It was so crazy. Yeah. So then when you see all the crazy around it. The writing was on the wall. Right, but also the, the thing about the sex is that's just how they fixate you. Right. That's how they trap you. Yeah. What? And then you're distracted because you're always, and it was true. My attention was always on why this, why that, why am I miserable, why am I crying, blah, 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 why is he pervy? And then you weren't looking at what they were really doing. Right. So I guess when I moved out, the interesting thing was it took me about a year to fully get over it because it was massive in my life. It may sound stupid to other people, but it was massive in my life. Well, yeah, because you were a... Serial monogamist. I was, and I was also, I just never turned into that. You, you know, and I think in the first book of Fifty Shades, doesn't she have nervous breakdowns and stuff all the time? Like, not literally, but like, doesn't she break down? Is she crying? Is she, does she feel like she's nothing? What happens? Or is this at all glorified? I mean, it's been a while since I read the trilogy or whatever, but she goes definitely from like innocent, I've never done the this X, Y, and Z to being in the dungeon. The red room, I think, is what they call it. Okay, so, and, and I'm sure, I, I, I've seen scenes of the movie, I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen scenes where she's just hysterical, right? Right, right. Well, that's how I got, I would be hysterical. Yeah. Now, I know that in this trilogy, which I have to say is not really true, you know, it's glorified. Right. And then they love each other so much, they end up being, you know, there's they're married, they probably have kids, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Right. I'm just here to say that's really not true. That's not really how it goes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of these guys that strangle women and do this, I've since found out, actually kill them. Right. <laughs> and it actually started with sex. Yeah. It actually started with, you know, doing... You know, sort of simulating I'm killing you, and then it escalates, and then they kill you. Right. So I feel lucky that I'm not dead. And afterwards, when I moved out for about three years, maybe even a little longer, I would get calls from Paul's ex-new victims. Right. So when I, I also had the consideration, maybe this was just going down more with me and not with somebody else, and... No, it was going down with everybody he'd probably ever been with. Right. And since me, and they would call, and they were in hysterics and crying, and, yeah, you know, Paul said that you are a liar, and that he doesn't really do things like that, but Paul did all these things that you said he did to me, and oh my God, and what do I, and I felt really bad because these girls were really young, like 19. Right, like just got to Hollywood trying to make it. With- or just so young that they would fall for it because he's super handsome, charming. Yeah. Talented, actually, um, and 
they would fall in I was sort of shocked that someone would fall into a web of someone when they were my age but you know dumb is dumb I guess and naive is naive I I can honestly say I was just really naive because I didn't have an experience in my life that would lead me to not be naive well but you also went from growing up in your parents house going to college living with your boyfriend on a farm or something right marrying him like you never really lived by yourself no I never lived by myself so you didn't have like much independent life when you were younger and then you went from married to serious boyfriend for four years to Hollywood right to serious boyfriend for a while to married to yeah but it it still was age wise you know I didn't even start acting until I was 30 Right. So uh, I think uh, I I was dense. I don't know how else to say it. But it's taught me a really good lesson. It's given me a really good understanding of women, of how someone lives with someone who abused them, physically or mentally. Right. It's usually a slow process. It's filled with I'm sorry's. My guy didn't even say he was sorry. He would just say, like, you're crazy. Like, everybody does this. Or right. what? Are you, what is your deal? Yeah, like, I don't what? even know what you're talking about. No, no. I didn't sleep with someone last night. Well, oh, that's I where slept you... with someone the night before. Forgot to tell you. About you know, like, they make you feel crazy or... But I but I'm started, I under, started understanding women, and I started understanding how you unvictimize yourself if you've turned yourself into a victim. Right. Because we always think the person turned us into a victim. We turned ourselves into a victim. Correct. So if you can turn yourself into a victim, then you can turn yourself out of being a victim. And it could take a little while. Well, it's a lot easier to self-reflect and be a victim if you don't like the person. If you like the person a lot or love them, you're going to sort of go along with it or like it or be more prone to self-victimizing. You are. You are. But that's the trap. You know, and then later, here we are all these years later where the guy who did that to you in the trailer is now being convicted of other more serious things, right? Right. But like you, I mean... he was cute. He was an actor. I was, yeah, you know, I yeah. I never felt offended or anything. I felt like, oh my god, this is so silly. Like he he he. Right. And I, that particular um, that particular person, because I you you knew I had a big crush, and you were like, uh, you're working, like maybe don't go into the trailer, like teasing me, and. The person, another person that you were working with was like, oh, my God, you can't like him. He he likes to play rape. And I was like, uh, sorry, what? Like, he does what? Like, what is that? How do you play that? <laughs> right. And you think it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, you and I were laughing. We were like, what? what? What are you even saying? And cut to all these years later, we have him being accused of these things. Whether he did them, I don't know. Yeah, I don't but, know either. But we do know that, I do know that things like this escalate. Yeah, for sure. And then... I guess I could just say to people, to women, which I I would like to say that, you know, if you're in this kind of situation, get out. Because you might think it's all hipster and you might think this is what everyone does. It isn't. It's a demoralizing way to degrade you, really. Yeah. And I'm glad that I have a better understanding because if I didn't have an understanding before, my solution to women, if, if someone had told me this story, 
and it wasn't me. I would say, "Get well, God, just leave. Right. Duh. Or if they said, you know, my old man, it hit me. I'd be, that's it. One time, you're out, you leave. Yeah. But I, I would, that would be my only solution. And if someone, and when people did tell me like, oh, you know, well, like he, sometimes he's, when he's having sex, he does this or he scratches me or he does, I would have been like, get out. Yeah. Right? Right. So now I have an understanding of that. I think I can actually help other people. And then here was the part that I liked. It makes me cry almost because when I left, um, you know, my kids were young. They were, I don't remember what they were. They were sort of young. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Six, whatever they were. And um, so I gathered them up when I got to the new house and I said, you know, I haven't been the greatest mother. And they go, well, mommy, we think you've been a great mother. And I go, I know, but, you know, someday I'll tell you why. I don't think I've been the greatest mother. And I I just, trust me, I feel like I'm not the greatest mother. And they were so cute because they're like, mommy, we think you're the best mother. You know, kids, they're so well, sweet. They and they didn't know. No, and they didn't know. But And I said, oh, my God, is there anything I can do? I said, just trust me. I have not been a great mother. So is there anything I can do to make this up to you? Right. Just anything. And they thought, and they thought, and they go, yeah, yeah, you can. You could buy some dogs. And I said, okay, <laughs> what kind of dogs? They said, like some big poodles. <laughs> Done. Done. <laughs> we had two big poodles for the last 16 years. <laughs> anyway, that's that. Kelly, thanks for joining me. Of course. Fun, fun. I hope you never did that to anyone. <laughs> never. <laughs> thanks, everybody. That'll do it, folks. Another episode of Kirsty Alley on the Verge. Be sure to follow Kirsty on Twitter at Kirsty Alley. Kirsty would like to thank Anchor.fm. Do you have questions for Kirsty? You can leave us a voicemail. Go to Anchor.fm and hit the message button. We listen to every single one of the messages that you leave her. Be sure to rate this podcast wherever you listen and leave a review. Share it with your friends. Tell anybody. Tweet about it. Do anything you can to get the good word out about this podcast. Kirsty appreciates it. Until next time, we'll see you.